0: The presenting sponsor of On Education is Participate. Lately, teachers from all over have been working together to find new approaches to provide quality remote education. Participate's sister company, Participate Learning, presents United We Teach, a global gathering place for educators to share distance learning resources as we navigate these strange times. For these resources and more, visit participate.com slash oneducation teachers
1: will administer coronavirus tests and like the internet exploded (laughs) welcome to on education part of the on podcast media network my name is mike washburn
0: and i'm glenn Irvin. friends we have an awesome pod for you today we will discuss the importance of transparency with educational influencers, whether school reopening plans will fail, and our guest this week is innovative educator and CEO of Ready Learner One, Micah Shippy. It's
1: funny we took a we took a week off. We we had a guest lined up and it it, it didn't work out with scheduling, uh, and that happens. Um, but it's the middle of the summer and it's nice to have a it's nice to have a week off, anyways. For sure. Um, but it's funny we were just talking off air. Um, it, it, about you know, trying to remember all of the things that happened, um, all it's of crazy. the nonsense, <laughs> trying to remember all the nonsense <laughs> that went on this week, so that we can come back and tell you about all of the nonsense because yeah. that is give, that is our, our target, that <laughs> is our target market is is talking about the nonsense. Yes. So yes. and um, it's just
0: gonna get crazier each week. There's gonna be just more and more buildup of things as as more schools start reopening. It's it's gonna be. It's gonna be intense, so we're gonna to have to cover it week by week.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I should say that we really do appreciate all of the all of the listens, all of the downloads, all yes. of the mentions. Um we were also just talking off air about how popular the podcast is, especially over the summer and during, uh, during COVID, um, you, you are, you know, sticking with us and, and sharing the episodes. And we uh, really love that you do that. I'd encourage you to go to Apple Podcasts or whatever and drop a review there. It always helps. Uh, share episodes on Twitter, on social media. Um, that's super helpful as well. Um, and you know, we think we're, we're working hard for stuff and we have, it's more than just Glenn and I, it's, uh, we have a team and we're all kind of working together and having great, we have this like great Twitter DM group where we have really good conversations where, you know, the ideas for the podcast get framed for the week, um, with, with, uh, with the folks there. And, um, you know, we just want to thank everybody for listening uh, and 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 sharing this space with us and being part of a community. We I, we do have some interesting ideas for the fall. We're, we're gonna bring back on Education Live because uh, that was actually pretty popular uh, when it was on. Uh, it was kind of we did a little bit of a test uh, there in the spring, and I think that it's something we should definitely do as we come back um our our twitch show on on the participate twitch channel um so lots going on i i I don't know what what you've been up to glenn i know you're getting ready to go back to school probably in a in a couple weeks if not now no when
0: No, it's after Labor Day. A couple Labor weeks Day. still. So no, it's after Labor Day. So we're yeah. we're waiting. We just received the
1: let's not push it, right?
0: Department of Education and the Governor's uh notice of what we're gonna actually do and and it was interesting. I mean, it was a definitely not a a uh a declaration of what everybody's going to do. Instead it was a you need to figure out what the numbers are within your specific county. Um and the counties, maybe there's multiple counties that your district resides in, and use that information to start a conversation, basically, of where, what level you should actually start off at, whether it should be just completely virtual or whether you should have a combination of different things. Um, And I I really love that, but it also puts a lot of pressure, obviously, on superintendents and administrators at a local level. And and as I've seen, even in Minnesota, there's already – There's a lot of politics that then get involved with school boards, uh, possibly overriding the decisions that superintendents make, um, (laughs) basically for the safety of kids. So that's going to be interesting to see how all of that plays out. And that's currently happening in one of our largest school districts in St. Paul. So I love that the governor put it back out with all of the information and support. Basically, they said, we'll support every single one of your decisions. We'll make sure that everybody's going to be safe. You're going to do it this way. You're going to reopen. But um, we're not going to force you to do X, Y, or Z because it doesn't make sense. Even within Minnesota, there's such a vast difference of what the infection rates look like.
2: A
1: lot of these Midwestern states are super complicated, right? Because, uh, Because there's like and Minnesota actually might be the most complicated of all of them in that there's a couple of like really large cities yes right um, and then a huge amount of rural spaces rural yes like like it's Minnesota' is pretty complicated because of the difference between you know um, these rural spaces. And, you know, Minneapolis, which was also the epicenter, or at least the beginning epicenter of the protests and stuff oh, yeah. like that Yes, uh, with George Floyd. I mean, so so you have, um, you know, a lot of diversity in terms of the situations yes. that are happening in different places. Yeah. I, I can't imagine any, like, one-size-fits-all policy yeah. would work in a place like Minnesota frankly, at all.
0: Yeah. And too many of these states' governors have made those types of big decisions yeah, and said, yes, we're all reopening, etc., whatever it might be. And we'll get to those articles in a little bit as far as what's happened already in certain yeah. certain states. Um, and it just it doesn't make any sense if you're not using the data that's, number one, currently available to you so within the last few weeks to then make those decisions locally or at least have those conversations. You don't basically on the thing, there's a grid where it says, if you have this many infections per uh, 10,000, it's a, it's a factor there. And then it, it, it grades them and says, okay, you can fully reopen, you can do these things, but we only want, we want you to know that this grid is just a, st- a t- starting point of a conversation. It's not, we're not telling you, you have to do this, but it's what you know, it's a good place to start the conversation. So really, um, it's crazy. My wife is already looking at me like going like, why are you attending all of these meetings? Why are you doing all this stuff during the summer? Cause I usually don't do a ton of work as far as the summer. We're already doing all of our planning, uh, professional development, doing yeah. a ton of work on, uh, uh, in the summer because we know there's a lot of work to do no matter which plan we decide to implement this fall. So, and I know a lot of other, uh, people are in the same category. A lot of educators
1: are, um, three to five hundred Canadian active regular listeners would be a little pissed at me if I didn't mention um, that the Ontario plan has also been released since mm. we last spoke um, and uh, unlike what you just said um, Ontario did basically mandate for the entire province um, and you know I don't think Ontario is as as um, the disparity isn't as strong um, in Ontario as in Minnesota, but there are definitely like parts of Northern Ontario that are very much, you know, out there in terms of, um, you know, being, being um, not heavily populated at Mm -hmm. all. Um, But, you know, 90% of the population of Ontario is within, you know, uh, that, you know, on the shore of Lake Ontario. So that's where most of the people are. And then an hour north, which is where we are. Um, so mandatory face masks for all students in grade four and up.
0: Mm. Interesting.
1: Any student, um, in grade three, two, one in kindergarten, uh, not mandatory face masks. Interesting. Uh, which is interesting. Isn't, yeah. What does your wife think um, of that? Yeah. They, they definitely like go. So, so the, the Ford government is definitely, um, I don't want to explicitly say they're throwing like the medical community under the bus, mm-hmm. but they're definitely saying hey, this isn't our plan. This is the medical advisors' plan, right? Uh, because the medical advisors, have, you know, are are falling back on this whole you know kids can't spread it, little kids don't spread it as much. We know that's not necessarily true, mm-hmm. and certainly articles uh, and a lot of information has come out in the last week or so that kind of show that little kids are are super spreaders, in fact, in some cases. So, so this whole... Uh, and that's obviously scary for us personally because... Oh, yeah. You know, my wife's a kindergarten teacher. Yes. Um, and our son, uh, Jacob, would have been scheduled to be in kindergarten this year. Hmm. Um, so we have... Um, so any student is allowed to opt out of going to school in person.
0: Um, okay, they can choose so distance parents, are, learning, parents right? are
1: allowed to say, we're going to keep our kids home.
0: Same plan here.
1: Yep. They will be They will be given an online teacher, so it will not be necessarily their school teacher. It may mm-hmm. not even necessarily be attached to... That teacher may not necessarily even be attached to the school that they would have went Normally to. they went to, yeah. It will be... There will probably be a pool of online teachers um, that then get assigned a certain amount of kids. Um And, um, you know, so you can opt out, um, what else? So the biggest, the biggest thing though, the scariest thing is, um, and this, this goes back to a a pretty strong fight that was happening during, you know, the strikes and all of that stuff, um, back last year is that they are not, the Ford government is not reducing class size. Ooh. So, um, You know, even in the so they're basing a lot of their um, rules and guidelines uh, from the Hospital for Sick Children, which is kind of the 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 major um, kids hospital institution in Canada. Okay, Um, it's based in Toronto, Um, and you know they've said it's funny because in their plan, in their guidelines, they say that that new any any back to school plan has to be accompanied by reduced class size of about fifteen kids. Uh, which seems reasonable, um, but they're not reducing the class size at all. Uh, so, so the class size um, will be uh, potentially 30 kindergarten kids in a class uh, without masks.
0: Dude, that seems insane. I mean, it seems Sounds insane great. in the United States, especially. Your so, case slow, you guys' cases in Ontario are way less significantly than probably, lower than probably any state, I would imagine, in the United States. I'm 100%. not sure what, yeah, what yeah. the what the numbers are, but but because of that, then I can see that that is actually happening. There's a mandatory law here in Minnesota that anybody uh ha- indoors has to wear a mask. Yeah. So that includes schools. So that I includes believe, all of our students. Yeah. Include a K through twelve. So that's going to be an interesting component because we're—I mean, I, I, you know, that that we're uh, having our kids have to do that. Interesting yeah. enough, though, that third third grade and below, you're saying, yeah, right. Yeah. Are, are I believe that Ontario
1: has less active cases of COVID than, than Florida had deaths yesterday.
0: Okay, yeah, context. so very few. <laughs> so you're just kind of like like a North Dakota yeah. type of thing. I know North Dakota, South Dakota, North Dakota for sure, but I'm not sure about South have very, very few cases, you know, because a very rural state, you know, not very big population. You guys have a huge population, very little cases.
1: So much of the COVID right now in Ontario is concentrated in two or three places. Um, Toronto, like the core, the downtown core of Toronto, um, which makes sense, the most populated space. Um, Windsor, um, which is by Detroit, Mm -hmm. Um and Ottawa, I believe. Now, um, the one in in Windsor is the most explainable. Um, they get a lot of migrant workers, um, and it, there was an outbreak amongst migrant workers in 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 the Windsor area that come up every summer to 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 mm-hmm. harvest and and stuff like that. Um, and then and then they go back home. Um, and there was a lot of there was a big outbreak in Windsor area related to that. Um, I'll tell you in Simcoe County, which is where I live, an hour north of Barry, um, there are maybe one or two cases reported a day, if that. Um, there are many days where there are none, mm. um, and and so it's com- so Cheryl works in Peel District School Board, which is kind of a little bit further north of Toronto. Um, but still pretty heavily populated, uh, Peel is anyways, but she lives even north in the northern part of that school district, um, which is giant. Peel School Board is the second biggest school board in in Canada. It's huge. Um, and so, you know, we're working through a lot of things in our head um, about, you know, there's complexity related to Jacob going back to school, yeah. There's complexity related to Isaac going back to school. Isaac didn't do necessarily um, super well with the distance learning um, and maintaining a really strong schedule and like that self-discipline that I think some kids need, especially when their parents can't be like on them constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, like Cheryl was teaching, I was teaching, I was working, you know, we were busy as hell to be honest. Um, and it was tough. It was really hard to make sure that Isaac was constantly doing his work. Um even though the amount of work was pretty minimal. Um, And then obviously we also have to to talk about, you know, how Cheryl's going to do. And Mm -hmm. I'll I'll tell you, I mean, I can't say enough about my wife and and how hard she worked during COVID to be a really good teacher um, and to learn, you know, how to do a whole bunch of things. And then to be honest, she spent a lot of her time teaching other teachers in our school, in her school, how to, how to do this stuff and do it well and Will, so i yeah i have a ton of confidence that cheryl is going to figure out how mm-hmm. to manage this but it doesn't mean that we're not scared yeah i was just thinking about um, the
0: exposure is are the adults going to be wearing masks
1: i believe that all teachers have to wear masks okay
0: that's what I was all wondering. the time okay that makes sense
1: there are tons of questions, uh, tons of questions. Not a lot of answers. Not a lot mm. of answers related to things like occasional teachers, like supply teachers. Um, what do you call them? Substitute teachers. Substitutes. Yep. Um, and not a lot of answers related to things like librarians uh, and administrators who like. So if a if a class gets an outbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what, you what happens with like the other teachers that that class has seen that aren't part of like that specific class so it's like the administrators that go from class to class or the 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 we well, we call them the planning time teachers the teachers that mm-hmm. teach while the teacher their regular classroom teacher has like a break the music, right the art
0: teachers exactly art teachers, yes. yeah mm-hmm.
1: for sure that sees like a bunch of classes so Imagine there's not how a lot of students answers. they're
0: exposed to also those yep. teachers that are um you know, the extra, I wouldn't call them the extra, the other things that aren't taught in the regular classroom. So, music and art and phi-ed, um, and everything else that may be offered at schools where they see, like you, I, I was trying to think of you as you, you probably had a similar kind of rotating schedule where you had hundreds and hundreds of kids that you saw on a daily basis or exposed over to. Over 400, yeah. Yeah, exposed a week. to. A over 400 a kids week. in a week, I would exactly. have Exactly, where you're circulating that kind of thing. It's like, yep. those are the people. My God, they 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 basically see everybody, you know, or a huge yeah. section of the students at a school. So
1: we're gonna want to yeah. talk to some of our librarian friends uh, when when September rolls around. We'll get Jennifer uh, Casatod back on the podcast. Maybe actually someone we haven't talked to before. Jen Jen Giffen um, yeah. is a is a librarian, teacher librarian in uh, York School Board, which is is uh, Newmarket, uh, which is a fairly populated space just south of me between toronto and me um and she hasn't been on the pod but uh she'd be great to talk to as well for sure for sure about about that experience of seeing a whole bunch of kids during this time um it'll be interesting so you know we were saying we were off for a couple weeks and that gives us a lot of time to pile up all of the twitter nonsense that we that we see and and there was a or maybe not nonsense but definitely (laughs) hot topics um, there's always there's always something to talk about on Twitter, and uh, I'll tell you this: the, the two the two that came across us the strongest this week. Um, you know what 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 the hell is Isty doing? Let's, Charging a yeah, hundred a hundred and fifteen dollars US <laughs> for the honor. That's the early price, a, Mike. A, For the honor of hopping on a Zoom call.
0: So a presenter that's going to present that got that had a a uh, a presentation obviously accepted at ISTI and they can yeah, change those up. I have up. one.
1: I have one too. Like yeah. Steve and I, Steve and I are you scheduled to present yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, percent yeah. So
0: you have these these presentations. You're being accepted. You had to. If anyone's never gone through the process of actually putting together a proposal for ISTI, just to understand it's very it's rigorous. It's rigorous. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of people just give up in it, like me. I've yeah. <laughs> given up many times on several ones where I was just like, What am I doing? Why am I doing this? Yeah. Um, anyway, it's very thorough. Let's just call it that. And then not very many people are accepted. So you get accepted. And then we just saw this uh post, uh, and it was by uh, Jake, right? Uh Jake, Jake Miller. Yeah, Jake Miller. And and several other people have posted this exact same thing where if you if you register early as a presenter <laughs> You, you can get it for $115 so that you can present your content to this audience virtually. You're not even in Anaheim or any of these other uh, wonderful places. You are presenting oh, from your basement like we are now, and <laughs> you get to first pay up $115 just for the honor. It just seems sick. It's discussed. I sit Something's at this wrong. desk
1: all day. I'm not paying 115 dollars just to, <laughs> to keep doing it. And and I'll tell you, uh. I have I have a lot of ways to get an audience these days. I don't need I don't need exposure oh, um, or crazy. whatever the heck you know you can use to justify presenting at ISTE. Um, I I don't need that anymore either necessarily. Um, you know so. Yeah, it I mean, seems ridiculous. We, we always thought that charging presenters to come to conferences was ridiculous to begin with.
0: I hate that. Yes.
1: And so the idea of charging presenters to to, to charging them to go on a Zoom call for them, pay <laughs> us to work for us is
0: it doesn't make any sense beyond
1: stupid. <laughs>
0: Beyond stupid, yes, I and don't
1: get so it. So it's it is the height of ignorance. Ugh. um That you know, I'll tell you the cognitive dissonance of, of ISTE talking about supporting teachers and then and then doing something like this is just it makes my head explode. Um, so it doesn't make any know, sense. If, if I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I if I am doing this, so I've already communicated to the people that I need to communicate to that I am not paying $115 out of my own pocket mm-hmm. to do this. You know, if, 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 if you want me to, to do this, you know, feel free to pay. You need to pay. And I'm happy out. to, cause I was doing a session on behalf of someone. Yeah. yeah. Um, that makes and, sense. and so, they can pay, um, but I don't need the the joy. It's it's not a joy and honor. It's uh it's work and it's um it's hard work in a lot of cases. And I I can find ways to reach the people that I want to reach with that similar message. And, and frankly, I am um, reaching the educators that I think I want to reach with the similar message. I, um, I was
0: just thinking about that with the platform that even just Twitter provides, and many people just sharing all of their resources, putting together yeah. YouTube videos, et cetera. You know, much I'm less I'm on Twitch every yeah. every
1: day at nine a.m. Friends, yeah. I'm on
0: Twitch. <laughs> much less someone like you, where you actually have a platform to be able to do that. But I'm just thinking about like some of these, uh, you know, people that present at many conferences. How could you? Th- Say or even just if you if this was your first isti and you got your a presentation accepted that's a huge freaking deal so you want to present um, yeah I get it but to pay a hundred and fifty to have to charge someone to do that I just seem so wrong I I don't get it and I don't I, I understand that at big conferences like there's one of the things that they have to do is justify the venue all of the extra costs all of this kind of stuff it's expensive but on this. In a virtual setting, I I don't know how you can justify those expenses. I'm sorry. There's there's ways to do this, and we know of many many ways. As we've uh, you know, you specifically know of many ways to be able to host conferences with large numbers of people and be able to pay for premium accounts of let's say Zoom or whatever it might be, and. It's not that much money, not, not to be charging then your presenters to. So that's why I said it just doesn't make any sense financially, whatever it might be, and especially doesn't make sense in this time period, what we're going through right now. You still want to have the conference? Great. Make it free for the presenters minimum and super cheap for anybody attending. I mean, the prices were still there for – if you want to attend people, if you're a member of ISTI, $145. It's like, What? I, uh, I, I don't get it. I'm, I'm not going to be paying $145. Right. Or actually, I'm not a member of ISTE, so I would actually be paying $155 if I pay by October 1st. No thanks. I, it's not worth it to me. There's so much value right now of so many valuable things that are happening out there that are free. For example, your daily uh, PD sessions that you guys are doing on yeah. Twitch for free. It's not like someone has to pay to do that, to yeah. to go attend. You're learning tons from super professional educators that are doing stuff right now highly innovative things in their classroom and they're you can ask them questions anytime you yep. know it's like you want to talk to steve isaacs about what he does jump on there you want to talk to yep. mike about all kinds what ideas you're running through your head you know nine, i eight, know. I, nine I never understand that man
1: twitch.tv slash inside participate <laughs> we will not charge you 115 dollars <laughs> <laughs> oh my so. god I mean, <laughs> so that fill was your one boots,
0: of the friends. that was one of the things, and then so it's
1: a money. It's clearly a money theme.
0: <laughs> yes, it's a money uh, theme because the next for the, one for the was super frustrating me, and you wrote a uh, an actual post about it. I just was doing DMs because I was just ranting uh, in the DM chat. But basically, what I can't currently stand right now, and you actually put it in eloquent words as far as you know, uh, uh, putting it out there as far as in a tweet. Is people that are considered educational influencers. So people that have thousands and thousands and thousands of followers. Some of them are friends. Yeah. To suddenly like make some kind of declarations about a specific company, product, whatever it might be, but net don't ever say that yes, you are actually getting paid to do that. So Several times now, this started, this started happening a while back. You know who I'm talking about that about four to six weeks ago, I showed you a post by somebody who said something to the effect of Google slides are so passe. Now I'm moving on to Microsoft PowerPoint, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's so gross. It's like you, it's true. There's a, there's a discussion to be had, whether or not slides or PowerPoint, which one is best for what settings, for our students, for teaching, et cetera. There's a great discussion to be had. But to suddenly post that and have always been this kind of Google guru person and presenting and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden you just make a switch, but you didn't say why you did that. And I it, it, it was it was obvious to some of us on the instant where we're like, oh. Something must be happening here. Some money must be exchanging hands. <laughs> some opportunities must be presenting themselves, which is great. Fantastic for you. Yeah. But state that. You know, I've decided yeah. to join Microsoft's team because they're innovative. They're fantastic. You know, talk about the reasons why. Sure.
1: Don't have a problem with the sponsorship. How I mean no, that's what that, we do. Hey, hey, friends, <laughs> go to participate.com and then right away go to GoGuardian. please. Please yes. do that. Thank you. Be-
0: but we're out front with it and we say these <laughs> right. are these are the thing the people that are uh, supporting and sponsoring uh financially the podcast itself. Yeah. And just to put it out there though too, Mike just so people know and I I know we've said this probably on other episodes you know back in the past but people that are joining us our sponsorships everybody go directly into the production of this podcast. So yeah, whether it be these microphones trips. or it be the actual us being able to go to the isti that's super expensive to go to, uh, and then be able to attend so that we can get those interviews to get that content to you so that you are there in a way, you know, and mm-hmm. through us, you know, mm-hmm. you're able to go in and experience it through the interviews that we have. And that's always been our th- mission. Since we were first talking, we're like, if we can get a sponsorship, we can buy the computer. Remember, we started with a computer. We needed, we just needed something to be able to handle this process <laughs> of what we were going to start. And then some uh, you know, you had a super, super cheap microphone to start off with. I don't know if they have the first I had a few blue episodes. Snowball. Yeah, yeah. And I had my blue Yeti that was just mine for a long time. And we just like little piece by little piece, we bought little pieces of different things. And mm-hmm. then we had some some more money and we're like, okay, let's buy this piece of equipment that we can take on the road. Let's buy these headsets. Let's buy this microphone. Let's do these things just to make it sound better and to make it more professional and also then to be able to take us to those places that we would have never been able to go to otherwise, which we thank our sponsors for that. But we're up front with all that stuff. You There's know, a sponsorship
1: page on our website. You go to oneducation.com mm-hmm. and go to sla- it's sponsorships. You can not only see our current sponsors, but you can see our past sponsors as well. There's We have no—like in my tweet— like, yeah, no secrets. Like, yeah. and and I and I follow. I actually wrote a, a follow up kind of post on Facebook, yeah. Um, that said that not only because I I firmly believe that you can say all the nonsense in the world that you want, follow things up with action. We've been talking about this a lot. We talked about this related to George Floyd. We made yes. a statement on the podcast on the website. You can go read that too. And but it actually had things that we were gonna do about it. And so. You know, with this, I did the exact same thing. I said, not only am I like putting my money where my mouth isn't telling you everything that I've ever done for money, generally speaking, um, in education as a, as a quote unquote influencer or whatever the hell you want to call us, um, but um, I also in my About Me page on my personal website, I wrote. Basically, a disclaimer at the bottom that explains, you know, who I've worked for and who yes. I've done. Like that, I worked for. Ep- I've worked for Epic Games. They paid me money to to do some stuff for Fortnite. Um, On Education sponsors are participate and Go Guardian. Uh, I worked. I work for participate and I used to work for Logics Academy. Yes. I get paid to do the Logics Academy podcast. I mean, that's it, friends. Um, <laughs> and if anyone. If listen, if you don't, if you're listening and you get paid by an ed tech company and you don't have the balls to to basically straight up, you know, just say
0: just where say your
1: relationships are, yeah. Then you, I mean, first off, you're breaking the law because there are laws related to this, and second, I mean, you know, take a look around for your integrity a little bit, please, um, because it's funny. It, I, I could go on about this and on and on, but, um, I will, I, one, there's, there's a really good story here. Yeah. I used to travel with logics and do professional development all over Canada and, and, um, constantly, constantly got asked how much things cost. And yeah, I, I, I had no clue how much things cost. <laughs> I intentionally, Did not look at priceless. Rami, my boss, the CEO of Logics, hated it because I couldn't tell anyone how much a dash cost. I mean, I I don't know how much the damn robot costs, I'm sorry. But here's the way I, I framed it, and this is the truth. This is this is the reason why. There was a it was intentional. It was because when I'm telling an educator, when I'm giving an educator advice and I'm telling them about a product that I think that they should use. I didn't want them to think that I was trying to sell them that product. Yeah. So I didn't know how much things cost. I was like, you're going to have to talk to Keith. Keith is the sales guy. You go talk to Keith. Keith will tell you how much the Dash costs. I'm telling you that Dash might be the solution to your problem that you have related to educational robotics. Hmm. I'm not trying to sell you it. I'm telling you as an educator that's used this in the classroom. I think that's what integrity looks like. I think that that's, I was trying to be the educator advisor um, in the room, not a salesperson. And I think that there's a huge difference. Um, I think you can be both. I think you can, uh, like we do. Again, please go to (laughs) (laughs) participate.com. I mean, we can do that, right? But just don't, you know, don't lie about it yeah just be honest be real about it i mean i mean i assume if you're partnering with a company you believe in what they do and how they do it and why they do it and i'm cool with that i mean i i i like a lot of microsoft products i i think teams is garbage but i (laughs) like i like i like i I like a lot of other shots fired out there yeah 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 i'm on fire today uh (laughs) <laughs> um I like I obviously I obviously Minecraft is
0: Yeah, we love you know it.
1: Minecraft is the single best tool for teaching and learning that exists. I also say that. So I'm saying Teams is garbage and Minecraft is amazing. But you know what? At least I'm I I'm honest about, you know, where things come from and where they're going. And we are here on the podcast too. And all we're asking is that everyone who's listening does the same.
0: Absolutely. Perfect transition to Whether or not these uh, these uh, segue, yes, this is is our segue. (laughs) Whether whether or not pushing to open the schools, which already has happened, by the way, is is guaranteed to fail, as it says in the Atlantic, uh, the article that was written, I think yesterday yeah it was written august 2nd and uh, just a few days ago in georgia where they had to open up where they opened up some schools and they immediately shut those same schools down mike where yep there it's that didn't take it, long uh, yeah and it's is it not a surprise that that happened no probably not okay but I think it is surprising some people. I I believe I think there it's finally waking up some people. You know, as far as is especially um, people who were maybe not believing in everything or maybe just didn't you know really say. You're saying eh, you're
1: saying those words really nicely. <laughs>
0: these these things might be just going away. Whatever it might be and uh, and boy. what I what I am envisioning though, as this article basically states, is that how. Bad can this really get as far as this opening and closing of all of these schools that are going to happen, because some big states like Florida, I believe, um, um has has stated that they will open face to face. Um, and some other states have have declared that also. And what's going to happen basically in these next few weeks? And that's what I was talking about at the top of the show, is, is saying I think that each week we're going to hear more and more devastating stories uh as people open up and i think we're hopefully being able to go ahead and learn from those things as our date for opening is after labor day thank god labor day is so far out for us this year um i think it's we don't even start back till september 8th or 9th or something like that yeah and so because of that i think that's that is actually a good thing as we start seeing kind of All of these other people experiment, unfortunately, with their children, and then go. Maybe this wasn't that good of an idea. That's, and I don't want to be a pessimist about it, because I know a lot of people are putting different safeguards in there, as we talked about masks. There's uh, all these different types of protocols that some states are are taking, but I don't know if it's going to be enough. When you have that many um, people in one place, it's the thing that we that has been said since the beginning. It is the the virus spreaders, the way that this actually can go ahead and, and be uh, pushed from one person to another and then big groups and 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 they it basically you know how bad can it actually get where well, I think we're gonna find out in the next few months and that's crazy. And I think each week we're gonna be reporting kind of like what's the next articles. You know, we have a list honestly everybody we have a list of articles already in the first few days of people opening their schools and already we have all of these crazy sad stories of of governors basically saying no you will open schools and then the superintendents having to try to do their best as far as to keep everyone safe and we all know that that may not be possible in with the cons- the constraints that we have the space constraints and all the yep. types of things that uh, not enough PPE etc so there are, there crazy are places times.
1: Just, just, just like the solutions and how different they are from each other, um, there are places that will probably be just fine. Yes, where it'll be complicated, exactly. it will be exhausting, it'll be frustrating, but you'll get by. It'll, it'll be fine. It'll be what it is. It'll be the hardest teaching year of your life. It'll be a great story to tell ten years from now. Maybe I don't know uh, about resilience and and you know the fact that teachers have to endure so much stuff and become nurse be, that year that you had to become a nurse as well in addition to all the other jobs that you did. Yeah. Um, you know, but with biohazard
0: equipment too. Right. I mean, if you think about the equipment that we're going to be wearing to protect ourselves, basically we're protecting ourselves from biohazards. It's like wow. That's a new level of, of teaching commitment <laughs> and,
1: and administering. Uh, I mean, in, in Ontario, the, the public health official, the, the head public health official in Ontario um, said super casually, like, like off the freaking cuff. And it's like, did you just say what I think you said? She said Oof. teachers will administer coronavirus tests and like the internet exploded. <laughs> it was like, Did you just say that teachers are going to give students coronavirus tests? Like no. how many lawsuits do you want? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> seriously. It was just the craziest thing wow. I'd ever I'd ever heard, just totally like it was off the cuff. And it was like, uh, she better walk that one back a little bit because hey, newsflash, teachers aren't nurses.
0: No. And we're not law enforcement either, people. You know, I'm just thinking all the things that people have decided that we can do, where we can carry guns to go ahead and, and protect our schools. We can give uh, tests, <laughs> biomedical tests. Imagine that. So you're like the training that all, all of our amazing nurses and doctors and medical professionals around the world and how, how, Much medical training you have to have to do that correctly and to make sure that you're safe as well as your patients and saying that some teachers are going to be able to (laughs) oh god
1: is this insane it's crazy yeah so so there are there are places that'll do this just fine there are places that will be absolute nightmares and again i said it last week i'm going to say it this week there will be students and teachers who will die i
0: know and and that's going to be horrible I mean and I mean we like I say we don't want to be pessimists about it or being like we're not being I don't think we're being realist. overly dramatic at all be either. realist yeah I mean this is it's real and it's here and each week we're going to report what what the next you know the yeah, listen, friends, was. if you
1: were if you were listening to us for Rainbows and Sunshine, I don't know where the hell you got that <laughs> idea from. I I I
0: mean We're gonna have to have a Rainbows and Sunshine segment, Mike, because it's gonna be, you know how that local or the news segments? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they do the same thing in Canada, but they give you it's a 30-minute newscast. They give you twenty-nine and a half minutes of devastating, horrible news, news. And then squirrels and then the, on boats for 30 seconds. The, in the last 30 seconds is this nice, beautiful cat, story cat of of someone that did something beautiful and amazing uh, for other people, uh, you know, an amazing lifting up story, uh, just so that you don't go and go, God, we're going to need to recruit
1: is... someone on our team to find like, yeah. a.
0: we need a great po- story,
1: positivity story.
0: Yeah. We need a positive story at the, Do we? at the end of each, <laughs> at the end of this segment, each oh week, as we start delivering a, what doesn't look good. I mean, it uh, doesn't it's, look good. And it, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be this whole year. It's not going to be, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about this through basically next, through this entire school year, the yeah, 2021 school year.
1: we'll bring you stories of how teachers have kicked ass yes, working sure. through this. I promise you that, because that's the one thing that we know is going to happen in some of these places. Uh, we'll be telling you those stories, because those are the stories that deserve to get told mm-hmm. as much as all of these hard things that we're saying are and talking about, you know, we still have tons of friends, we have tons of conversations to have about, um, you know, race and diversity and equity in this country, in in this continent. And, um, you know, those aren't going away. And, you know, we made promises to talk more about those things. And, you know, those conversations are, are coming and are still happening. Um, you know, so just because we're talking about the coronavirus this week doesn't mean we're not still making plans to keep those conversations happening, too. Um, but we will um, make a point also to tell you about the teachers that are overcoming yes, um, these incredible hurdles and obstacles just you know and put in you know crazy situations just so they can teach kids um because i think you deserve that for sure story as well so let's uh let's i'm not gonna say let's stay positive let's just stay real let's just Mm -hmm. keep having those those conversations um there are a ton of articles they're all relatively about the same thing about how scary it is to uh to, to you know everything that's happening uh, stories from all over the place we'll put a bunch of those in the show notes um for you to read because uh they are they are pretty interesting uh we had a really great talk uh with our next guest he's the ceo of ready learner one micah Shippy. stay tuned <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Our guest this week is an author and educator. He's the CEO of Ready Learner One. And if you were looking to talk to someone about what's next in education, he'd probably be one of your guys. Welcome to On Education, uh, Micah Shippy.
2: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I, I love your podcast and I'm really excited for our conversation tonight.
1: Thanks, man. Awesome. Um, Micah, for anyone who doesn't know who you are and kind of your your work, why don't you just uh, introduce yourself to the audience and kind of um, give us a bit of the the Micah 101, what led you to us today?
2: Sure. How much time do I have?
1: <laughs> 30 seconds. No, 30 go. seconds. All right. <laughs> You're so, good.
2: Um, I've been teaching grade eight social studies. Um, middle school teacher for 20 years, just finished number 20. Um, left my students on March 16th for quarantine. We all were quarantined, of course, uh, talking about countries banding together on the home front for World War II. And we drew some comparisons about factories in the United States and the present day world banding together to support uh, com- um, uh, hospitals with respirators and masks. And then mm-hmm. I concluded my year um, speaking with my students, again, remotely about the civil rights movement. So this has been uh, a... Um, um remember a uh, memorial of a year i mean i don't know i don't know i think this one's going to go down in the book for my kids and i so uh, it's been a challenge of course um i have uh coached soccer for a million years so i was pretty excited to see glenn's about me page with a manchester united jersey on so oh, instantly yeah. <laughs> um we are we are the best of friends uh coach <laughs> coach soccer for many years um i have a phd in instructional design uh development and evaluation um, I have a very patient wife and three beautiful kids and a dog and a cat. Uh, love what I do and you know the latest is Ready Learner One. Love Ready Learner One and um, this company of like-minded folks coming together to learn how to serve others in the training and learning space uh, through the most emergent tools that are can be meaningfully uh, employed by both corporate and educational institutions looking to bridge gaps that um, we weren't ready for.
1: So. Let's talk about Ready Learner 1 for a quick second. Tell us what what brings you from being a social studies teacher um, to wanting to start a company um, that is uh, related. I, I mean, we're we're actually a, a little bit similar in that I have a history major as well, and you know, and like social studies nerd, and use Minecraft to teach social studies, right? But I mean, I'd love to hear your story about your path, where you go from being a social studies teacher to talking about emerging technologies. Um, in the corporate world as well, not just in education. What, what brought those two pieces together? And take a deep dive into a, a little bit of the work that you've been doing with Ready Learner One.
2: So, um, yeah, that's really good. I didn't know about your history degree. Cool. Yeah. Um, it's, it's all about the power of story. So uh, as a kid, my grandparents would tell me uh, historical anecdotes related to my family and our community. And those stories resonated. And I learned the power of the story through them. I uh, uh, gained a love for history, studied history, did a study abroad in London and really got roped into the power of story and um, how I could deliver story. Uh, as a young teacher, my go-to was me delivering a story, uh, which I still think storytelling is very powerful for an educator, don't get me wrong. But what I came to learn is that uh, it was important for my students to have experiential knowledge that would lead to their story. So I started to dive into things like Oregon Trail, you know, the old 1984 MECC game, putting Mm -hmm. my students on it and watching them get excited about it. Um, And the game play in the classroom, simulation in the classroom, and how my role as a storyteller kind of shifted to role as a guide and where we would make meaning about these experiences together. And of course, to do that in the classroom, I had to stretch boundaries. Um, You know, schools have, safety procedures and protocols in in place that prevent um, access to certain tools and devices. Uh, They can't always support them. I have mixed feelings on that. I'm a bit of a romantic where I just want the kids to have the toys to play with, because they're not toys, they're learning learning tools, right? Um, So my my efforts to provide more access in my classroom led to an interest in um, a field of study called instructional technology. I started down the road of um, educational administration and uh, at the time um, i was young and it wasn't for me honestly so i shifted my course of study and my postgraduate work to again instructional design so an instructional designer can be described as someone who um, is not a subject matter expert they go to a subject matter expert and they uh, talk to the subject matter expert about content they go to the learner and they talk to the learner about what they need and the instructional designer bridges that gap So I had found myself doing that in my classroom. I had found myself um, uh, excited to help my colleagues do that when the opportunity came up Um, and uh, speed forward in time. um, After my my graduate study, um, I moved on to my PhD study. And there I was working with a non-for-profit that wanted to deliver mobile learning content to people in East Africa who did not have electricity. So they're off the electrical grid They're charging their phones with solar power. They can go about a mile to receive cellular access to download content and then take that back to their home. And so that way of providing access of of content to people through emergent technology just plain snowballed. started with kids in my classroom and just went down through again um, from Mm. pretty nerdy research that I got myself into um it go ahead it's
1: it's funny that it's funny that you um that you brought you brought up something I was going to actually ask you about anyway so I, I always love when people do that um about you know and I had this struggle a little bit too teaching uh and wanting to do like crazy stuff in your classroom like like really pushing the boundaries of what most administrators will will let you get away with I mean um you know I talk a lot in a lot of the things in a lot of the places. I speak about innovation and not being afraid to innovate and stuff like that. But you know, um, schools and administrations and districts are notorious for putting guardrails on educators. You know, don't go too far, don't do t- too much. You 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 never know. You know where your you know limitations are until you're psyched up about something and then you can't do it because they just say they put the kibosh on it or whatever. Talk a a little bit about um, walking that fine line between, you know, how you were able to do like really innovative things in your class. um, while also, you know, being allowed to do really innovative things in your class.
2: Yeah. I've, I've been blessed to have administrators that um, have, have given me a little bit of space, Um, not carte blanche, Mm. but a little bit of space and I'm a firm believer that when we move forward to adopt change and, you know, classic change management strategies, uh, everything starts with relationships. The relationships that we have with each other, the trust that comes from the relationships, everything from interdisciplinary teaching strategies with colleagues to trying new stuff out in the classroom starts with people trusting that you have the children's or your learner's best interest in mind. And once you, once you have that trust, you show a taste for what you want to do, and then you uh, head down the path where you end up um, li- um, um, having a land party with your kids in 20 max connected on Civilization Four colonization. It ended up being pretty cool. Um, but mm-hmm. it started from a place of trust and a reputation for uh, if it doesn't work, I'm going to try something new. If it doesn't work, don't worry. I'm still going to take care of the objectives and important learning p- uh, content for my students.
0: So, Micah has. It- COVID changed? And I mean, it's, it's an obvious answer, but maybe you can expand upon it. Has COVID changed anything in terms of your work? Um, we're, we're thinking that there's a huge interest in virtual learning environments, uh, both in education and you obviously serve also to corporate world. What has changed since obviously this March for you? Well,
2: I, you know, I think there's uh, some interesting um, articles coming out. I wouldn't call it research. Uh, Articles talking about how people can be incredibly productive at home, how there's going to be a mass exodus from major cities like New York City and San Francisco to -hmm. the countryside because people can learn from home. I saw one today from the Wall Street Journal said everybody's rethinking that maybe it's not as productive. Um, But you know what, from a from an educator side working with my grade eight students, uh, what I found is that, yes, they need that face to face time. Um, but I also found they were able to do things on their own that when in the room with me, I was too much of a crutch. So if they got stuck, they would raise their hand and ask mm, for help yet at home, they're not asking for that help. And they are producers of some really high quality content. So th- there's an interesting shift about letting go a little bit and letting the students, um, um, troubleshoot themselves some, uh, balanced by, uh, guiding them, uh, when it gets really sticky for them.
0: It's that thing, Micah, that I was just thinking about when, um, you know, probably you experienced this 12, 13, 14 years ago when the flipped classroom was all the rage. Um, And many of us flipped our videos and we did different things and we we were excited about it. But then we weren't getting the same kind of results because we were still there. It felt like I was still there. So they were like, why am I going to go to the video or, or or start trying to think through myself? This is what I have you. You know, you need to be teaching me. And then there was this kind of controversial, like, felt very controversial yeah, for both for the students and parents. You know what I'm talking about?
2: I've been really, really reflecting on the flipped classroom model a lot. You know, if you mm. asked me about it five years ago, uh, I had a real bad taste in my mouth because all I had honestly seen was more work for kids, period. Mm. I had seen kids get out of school, go home, and then do double the amount of work. Um, That's what I had seen. It doesn't mean that's what the flipped classroom is meant to be. It's just what I had seen. But now, like my school, currently uh, in September when we go back, we're supposed to be in a hybrid model where my students will be with me one day, half of my students. Then they'll be home. And the other half will be with me, and then they'll be home. So now if you take that strategy of the flipped classroom for when they're at home, that makes sense to me. What yes. doesn't make sense to me is kids working overtime.
1: Yeah, especially right now, right? I mean, yeah. it's so it's hard enough as it is, you know. And, and with parents, you know, trying to juggle, you know, working from home or, you know, having their kids at home or not at home. And some days they are and some days they aren't in some cases. And then um, in other places, you know, the uncertainty of whether, you know, the schools are going to have to shut down. These kind of like... I think these hybrid learning models of virtual worlds and virtual spaces are going to really take off. I think uh, I, you were actually... You know, it's funny. It made me thought we were in a meeting together a couple weeks ago and you told me about a space and I can't remember the name of it, but I'm hoping you remember what we were talking about, a meeting space that happened in, in VR that you could like have actual meetings with like yeah. a whiteboard and stuff. And I think stuff like that is like mind blowing. And I, I'd love to talk. T- what was that that we were talking about?
2: Well, it could have been one of two things. I know you and Steve Isaacs were looking at Mozilla Hubs. I think you looked okay. at one together right on Twitch. Yeah. Uh, love Mozilla hubs. Uh, their latest update, by the way, um, is for uh, location-based sound. So as your avatar moves away, the volume goes down, yeah, which is really awesome. good. I tried it out with my students, and you know they would spread out this huge crater and look at some different uh, activities that I had set up, and when they would talk, it would all be the same level. So it wasn't very good, but that update's big. What you're probably thinking of is spatial. Spatial. Uh, mm. Spatial.io, uh, which they offered for free during uh, part of the, the COVID quarantine, I'm not sure if it still is, uh, allows users to enter through a laptop, uh, to enter through a VR headset, or to enter through um, augmented reality using a tool like the HoloLens. And in that case, they're all present in the same space, which is all virtual. Uh, it's a it's a fantastic tool. The concept is amazing. Um, the, the issue we have in education is you know we have student privacy and data privacy protocols in place yeah. that that are really important for keeping our students safe and protecting their data uh, but they're not always a priority so you know talking with spatial they're they're very interested in higher ed and corporate but k-12 is not not really high up on the priorities right now then you look at something like mozilla hubs and you can enter anonymously through a web link you can add a name if you want to there's no data being collected um so it, Is one of them perfect? Absolutely not. But the fact that those places exist and I can bring in three-dimensional assets and students can explore and whiteboard and have conversation with a better sense of presence than a Zoom meeting, is I think there's some power there.
1: So speaking of Steve Isaacs, who actually has a little poster on his wall for the times that he gets mentioned in on education. So, Steve, you can check your name off on your little on your little checklist (laughs) um, for every time your name gets dropped on the podcast. Um, We should talk a bit about esports. I think all three of us here agree that esports is part of the future. Um, and not just the future of entertainment, it's it's already there in terms of, of entertainment, um, but also, I think, how we teach and, and learn. And as someone who thinks a lot about the future of education and technology, what do you think the future holds for teaching and learning with esports?
2: Uh, I, you know, I, my colleagues, uh, Christine Lyon Bailey at Ready Learner One, uh, as well as Steve Isaacs, he can make another hash mark, and Chris yeah. Aviles. Um, they're, they are co-authoring a book about esports, and um, there's a lot of power in that. And one of the things that Christine was telling me was that you know esports really is the athletics of quarantine. It's the athletics of COVID nineteen, and 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 I, and I really like that. And I had you know I've done some some futurist talks about education and and trying to help people think ahead about where we're going in education. And you know one of the things that really stuck out to me is uh, how being a member of a team um, is should be part of the educational experience. Um, years ago, I, I ran a ski school. I used to teach downhill skiing, and then I actually ran a ski school. My employees were uh, high school and college students. And I'll tell you flat out, the best employees were uh, athletes on a team sport. So now looking at team sport play through eSports, we're now opening access to more students who can't make the football team or the soccer team. But they have a skill set that's very valuable in the esports arena, and they have the opportunity to work together to learn cre- collaboration, critical thinking, creativity with each other in the moment, in such a heightened moment that uh, esports brings out. So I, I think esports is uh, a necessary next step in the the evolution of the educational um, experience of our students, uh, because you know education education is about preparing students for their future. And their future, not my, not my past, you know, my, my past of sitting in rows and preparing for post-industrial revolution, uh, thinking, uh, we're past post-industrial revolution. Uh, one, one author calls it the fourth industrial revolution. We're in a, a whole new phase and that whole new phase, it's going to take collaboration. And in the, in the case of the pandemic and being distanced, I mean, we've been saying for years that the the future of work is going to be gig-based. We've been saying for years it's going to be remote. Well, now we're all forced to actually work this way. We're forced into this environment and into change, which we didn't really want. You know, it's, it's disruption, and not all disruption is desirable. In fact, most of the time we don't want it. But now it's forced upon us, and we have to reflect in a manner that can positively inform future steps for education.
1: It's funny that we actually we use the term, you know, 21st century learning and and all that stuff all the time. And I'll (laughs) tell you, esports is one of the only true in my mind, like 21st century learning opportunities where it's it is absolutely like the future. Like it's not here yet, Um, but we're we're starting to build on it and and it's emerging as we speak. Um, And we still haven't figured it all out yet. But I mean, we have our top people on it. And, uh, and and we're, we're, we're super happy, um, that that book is coming out. I I was, you know, I got asked to, to contribute to it and, and I'm psyched about that too. Um, so, um, you know, like I said, our top people are working on it and, and I think it's, I think it's absolutely going to be, um, a pretty amazing, amazing thing. Um, Micah, if people want to learn more about you, learn more about Ready Learner 1, Learn more about all the amazing things you guys are doing and how to connect with you. Uh, how do they go and do that?
2: So, our, our website is readylearner.one. Um, and when you go to readylearner.one, you'll see our, our two uh, company channels. You'll see a link for K 12 and higher ed, and you'll see a link for the corporate spaces. So, in both of those worlds, our, our language is adjusted to meet the, the target audience. Uh, we're providing schools with uh, professional development through face to face and remote opportunities. Uh, we, you know, we provide the host, the, the gamut of professional development opportunities for schools. Uh, we, we've been working with the Madison Institute. Uh, together, we launched the Changemaker Conference in July, which we had 2,000 registrants from over 30 different countries around the world. So it's a really wow. cool opportunity to, uh, that we're pro- providing, we're finding a new opportunity to serve our uh, educators, colleagues, as well as to uh, open up some really great skills from the education world and provide them for the corporate space. So it's readylearner.one and you can email me at Micah at readylearner.one or Micah Shippey on Twitter.
0: Micah Shippey, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. This is great. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website, oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod, Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found on Twitter at Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Participate, for supporting us. Check out participate.com to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening, stay awesome, and see you soon.